0: How do you feel about travel these days? Do you want to travel more? Are you struggling with balancing your eco-consciousness with the urge to explore the world? Do you want to take your family and your kids perhaps on memorable trips to experience different cultures and people and also widen your perspectives and learn about the world outside your own backyard? I will answer yes to all these questions, and that's the reason I started this podcast project which I call Roaming Roots. My name is Veslma Klaunes Berge, I'm a sustainability advisor, geophysicist, futurist, and travel enthusiast. And I'm a mother. If you feel you are having many burning questions around this topic, I'm sure I have them as well. Through conversations with experts and from my own experiences, I will do my best to provide you and me with tips and tricks and actionable advice. And my aim is to empower us to explore the world, leaving only positive footprints. So let's do this. In the last episode, we talked about Asia. Today we're not going that far, at least for me who lives in Norway. My guest is on a mission to improve well-being and happiness of people and the planet. He strongly believes in the values we get from spending time outdoors and also that we don't necessarily need to go that far to have great travel experiences or tour experiences as he calls his company. So listen to this and join me in waiting in line for the opportunity to enjoy adventure and chill in a cabin near you. So, today's guest is Rainier van der Feken. He is the founder of a very interesting company called Tour Experiences. So let me first introduce him briefly. The recent pandemic has motivated and inspired Rainier to do things differently and invest his time in creating a meaningful business for positive impact on people and the planet. He is on a very exciting learning adventure, combining his passion for nature and conservation, with more than 10 years of international experience in the hospitality real estate industry at Starwood Hotels & Resorts, Hyatt and Belmont so in his own words the time is now to advocate and act for the positive changes one wants to see in the world. Welcome Renier!
1: Thank you so much Esme. It's uh, it's really amazing to be here and thanks for the invitation.
0: Yeah I'm so happy that you could join me in my what I call my project which is all about discovering the future of travel and tourism. So and in that in that area, I know you have a lot of experience. But first, your your name might give you away a little bit. But could you please uh, share with us <laughs> where you're from and and also where you're based at the moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm currently based in, in Ork. I live, I'm not based anymore. I'm living in Oslo. Yeah. Uh, in norway a uh, beautiful place to live and but originally as you say my name especially my last name gives away that i'm from the netherlands mm-hmm. born and raised there uh, my dad is australian mm-hmm. so i'm actually half dutch half australian uh, and grew up but grew up in the netherlands and uh, studied international hospitality management in uh, in the netherlands and uh, worked for several years all over europe uh, for uh, The companies that you mentioned, Starwood Hotels, Hyatt, and Belmont, in different different functions, from feasibility, doing financial analysis for new hotel projects all over Europe, Africa, and Middle East, as well as business development for uh, for Europe, uh, and lived in different countries, from Belgium to Scotland, Switzerland, Italy, and now in Norway. So I had. uh, the pleasure and uh, the luck, in a way, and, and maybe privilege in some extent, to live in all these places and also travel a lot at the time, in my early twenties, mm. and that opened up my mind a lot.
0: So, uh, how did you end up in Oslo?
1: My uh, my girlfriend is uh, is from Norway, and uh, we've lived together in, in in most of the countries I mentioned over the last years. Uh, so we moved around together, sometimes long distance, and. She always wanted to move back to Norway, promising me that this is the best country in the world, beautiful <laughs> nature, everything is organized, you will love it. And uh, she was right though. But uh, yeah, at some point during the pandemic, we decided to move back um, and coincidentally we became parents in the pandemic. So that kind of spearheaded the move back to Norway for, for her and for me a new adventure. and. Um for the topic we're going to talk about later tour experiences was also a perfect country to actually start the concept in
0: yeah so then you have to tell us about tour experiences and and you actually you spell this t-u-r so tour in norwegian it's the name for journey tour uh, correct experiences. yeah yeah so so why did you start this and what what is what is your company about
1: yeah, and, and, and it's it's nice that you pick up the word tur. It mm. indeed comes from the Norwegian sentence called to go on an adventure in nature. Yeah. And that's uh, on purpose that we chose oh. that word for the company because it's all about to going on an adventure. And, um, and what we are about is we are creating a outdoors yeah. hospitality company focused on positive impact for both local communities and the environment. And we do that by creating a, a platform with a collection of off-grid unique accommodations that we place temporary uh, in adventurous off-grid locations on landowner's land so they can make an extra income. And we rent it out to promote responsible and regenerative tourism. And we we start around Oslo with a two hour radius and try to find unique locations. But we have also plans to go in other amazing locations along the west coast of Norway, uh, as well as in other European locations in the future. The idea of two experiences—I think that's one of the questions you, you ask: like, like why, why did we start it, and, and where did the idea come from? It, it's always, I think, hard to pinpoint an exact time and day. Like, oh, I woke up and I'm going to create two experiences. Like, that didn't really happen. Um, I got—I got lucky to travel a lot on the African continent, and I've been supporting several um, conservation and wildlife organizations in Africa for, for many, many years, and. During my travels there, both for work and for leisure, I fell in love with the African wildlife and the continent. And from that moment, I, I wrote it actually on a piece of uh, paper. I wrote a something called Norwegian Safaris, and I called mm-hmm. it NOSA at the time. And this was 10 years ago. And at that time, I knew already, my girlfriend is going to pull me into Norway someday. <laughs> I just didn't know when. And uh, I was like, okay, I got to prepare for something that I want to do there, where I can use my passion and my experience. Mm-hmm. So that, that piece of note, also in my backpack for a long time, and you know, I visited Norway many times. And I, I really like to spend the time in nature, outdoors. Uh, I really enjoyed the cabin life that the Norwegians have been doing, good and not good. We can talk about that later yeah. as well. Um, and and then the pandemic hit. And this sounds very cliche, but as for some and maybe many, we took the time to, or I took the time to calm down and be quiet and think about what do I want to do, where can I use my energy, my experience, my passion for something more where I can have a positive impact, something with, where I can help, uh, not more, not just working for a co- big corporation, uh, but where I can use my corporate work experience uh, also in combination with my passion and my experience. So then I started to to put a pen to paper down and it, it started with the idea of just creating really exciting, cool cabins, put them in nature and rent them out to tourism, just as simple as that. Mm. But then I also realized when we do that, we need to look at it holistically. We need to do it the right way. If we start building anything new, we need to do it the right way. try to use as much as reuse material as possible, to use less resources, uh et cetera. So then, then I moved to Norway and then start to meet a lot of people, the right landowners, building partners locally and try to get everything set up as local as possible. And then the concept just took took off and, uh, and now we, we are, uh, we have one the location approved, we have two very exciting investors on board, and we're planning to get the first one open by the end of this year.
0: So, so could we touch on what you mentioned there about the Norwegian cabin life? Uh, because as you say that it has a lot of positive sides to it, but also some negative. And so what are those and how do you how how are you working to to go past those or do things differently?
1: Yeah, I think it's a I think that's a very good question maybe to dive into and and maybe to head on. I think let me start with the things. People will say start with the positive, so let me start with the positive. <laughs> it gets people to spend more time outdoors, which is mm-hmm. a good thing, right? It improves your mental and physical well-being. But on the other hand, places where at least in the last 10, 20 years, what they've been building, they've been taking away so much land from mountain sites, forest areas. just been building villages where people spend one, two weeks a year in total, and the rest is empty. Mm. And they've done full infrastructure work, etc. so they basically, without pointing fingers to one another, but nature has been destroyed in many places. And I think one can do better by creating uh, smaller cabins that you rent out so all pe- so people can use it in a way and not just the privately, private owner but also the way you place it, the way you build it, the way you do the infrastructure around it. So we have created a concept where we do not need to open the ground for any heavy infrastructure, no foundation needs. We are uh, movable and temporary structured. Um, We have it built locally, local material, natural material. We use about 60% of reused wood from the local area. So all of those components, and there's a lot more that we take into account, can show that you can actually do it better than what has to be done before and leave a positive impact behind for both the landowner that we lease the land from who makes an extra income but yeah. also on the env- environment by not taking away too many new resources which are gonna which are scarce already
0: mm. yeah and if you compare it to the i don't know if i should say normal but m- many of the cabins that are being built uh now and the last, the last years with jacuzzis and all the, all the luxury and maybe also more than you would have at home. <laughs> how, how are you thinking? It is a little bit more uh, down to earth, isn't it? The way that you're yes. thinking. Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah, our locations, I think, are also much more back to what it maybe used to be, the cabin life in Norway, when you think about mm-hmm. your old skugghitte. Uh, we are in between, and I don't even know the English word anymore, skookhitte, maybe forest cabin. Yeah. The old forest cabins mm-hmm. that were actually already off-grid. It didn't have running water or electricity at the time, right? And then you have your traditional hittegrant, your large cabin area. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. in between. So we have the comfort of electricity through solar power uh, and running water, but we're mm-hmm. in nature and there's no one else around you. So we're away from everyone, uh, low impact architecture uh, and, and no heavy infrastructure needed. So we're quite different from, from, from that side. And in terms of jacuzzi and all of that, that's not something that we are planning to, to have. Um, we're really a combination of a concept that I like to call adventure chill. So on one hand, you can chill in the cabin, read a book in your hammock, do some slow cooking or literally do nothing. Mm. or go out for an adventure go for a hike a mountain bike trip mountain climbing and we are always on the lookout for locations where you can do both of that
0: so so for the for the international audience of this podcast hopefully there's a lot out there listening <laughs> uh, you mentioned that uh, you will be you will start in Norway but the plan is to do this in in other locations as well out in the world right Correct.
1: Yeah, correct. So we we, we always look at uh, a two hour radius of bigger cities in the country. So, and there's a reason for it. So we want to get to, we want people to spend more time in nature and also on a frequent basis. Like you go into the gym, a couple of times a week, a couple of times a month, we want that to, to happen with our concept as well. And if you take the train or a bus or a car within two hours to get to the location, that's a great way to get there also during the week or over the weekend. But if you plan to have a five-hour driving distance uh, to get there, it's, it's going to be a little bit challenging. So we we look uh, we focus on Norway to start with, but definitely plans for a lot of European adventurous locations that we would like to. But that is, to be honest, probably five plus years away from that. Yeah,
0: yeah. it takes some time. So recently you have been contributing to an academic publication called Critical Questions in Sustainability and Hospitality. So I believe you you would have some opinions on the status of travel tourism and sustainability. And and also with your your international background coming from the Netherlands, living in Norway and working many places, what how do you see this space evolving with sustainability, travel, tourism, hospitality? How is the status?
1: There's a yeah. lot of thoughts that pop in my mind with, <laughs> with that question.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of questions within that question. I know. Um, let me let me maybe break it down in the last year, two years, with when we were still in the pandemic uh, as well that made people realize that their backyard was actually very beautiful. There were a lot of nice places to explore. Of course, they couldn't travel, or most people couldn't travel outside of their countries. right? So they were forced in a way to travel their own country and explore it. And I think places like Norway are very lucky that they have an abundance of nature and beautiful places to explore that people don't even know about. Within two hours drive of Oslo, for example. So I think driving or drive through or like, short travel destinations are have been pushed toward two people's planning because of covid which actually was a very good thing one of the positive things of COVID, i think mm. uh, and it made people also realize that long normal travel or flying or flying very often is not a good thing for actually people it makes it very stressful but also obviously for the planet um, i fit I don't, if i can be very honest i expected people to tr- especially from my work perspective to travel less but I felt that now two years, year and a half after well, it's sort of ending the pandemic in, in between mm. the records, people are traveling quite a bit for work as well and short short, uh, short travels, mm. um, that I expected a little bit less. But I think going forward, I think it's very hard for people not to fly, to be very honest. And mm. that's quite a, a difficult topic to talk about. It's, it's, yes. it's um, if you are in tourism, it's very hard to only be sustainable and successful sustainable in terms of economic terms right because that's also sustainability it's very hard to only focus on the domestic market so you will always have some international travelers whether it's if we're looking into norway it's from sweden or denmark or the netherlands or further away some may come by car some by train but most come by plane and how will that change in the future is a question i I find very hard to answer because i don't think that. I don't think anyone has an answer on that
0: Mm. yeah and and flying is the big big elephant in the room i think (laughs) as you say it's really hard to talk about and it's 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 very hard to avoid uh completely so no i'm yeah it's uh and
1: then i I, i do think i do think that if you are working on, in tourism, you have a, a platform that you can use to inspire people to make changes. So, mm. for example, about our concept, like, why do we choose everything to be built locally? Uh, actually, our cabinets are built 10 minutes from the site, so it cannot get more local than that. The material comes from a 100-kilometer radius from our first location, for example. Mm. Those are all very conscious decisions that we want to share and promote, those uh, as well, with everybody that is interested in our story whether people have arrived by plane or by car is something I it's very hard for me to control that's a decision people have to make themselves mm. um, and also who am I to say to someone you can not do x y or set so I, I yeah. think that's a very difficult <clears throat> uh, difficult topic but I think there's other ways we can influence and inspire people to make changes um, flying I think is a very very difficult one to make changes on unless Air airlines start to use biofuel one hundred percent.
0: So the the kind of the main reason I started this project was that I was frustrated with with the uh, kind of the the way that I personally was tackling all the dilemmas around traveling because I had almost stopped flying because of the the urgency I felt when it comes to climate and and everything, but growing up I used to travel a lot and I I feel that those experiences gave me a lot as a child and the the person I am today is very much because of growing up also living abroad and, and things like that so I wanted to figure out how because I have children myself I wanted to figure out how can I travel more with them and give them them the same experiences and the global perspectives as i had as a child so you have recently become a father yourself you want your your child to also grow up as a global citizen and and you also have your family in the netherlands so so you are already you already have that uh, aspect but what are your thoughts about that? I guess the the big adventurers are a bit into the future. <laughs> he's quite young yet, but um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, he's. Uh, he, yeah, that's a that's a very good and tough question, I think. But uh, I like that. Yeah, my son uh, Philip, he's a little bit more than two years old. So, mm. um, uh, and we have family in the Netherlands. I have family even in Australia. Uh, So half of my family is there. So, so that we haven't gone there yet with him, and but that is something I do would like to do, of course, because they haven't met him at some point. So, Mm. there, yeah, it's I've been also lucky to, and like you said, traveling has shaped to where you are Mm. uh, to some extent, right? And it opens up your mind to learn about different cultures, to be there, see different sceneries, and I think it's honestly it is the best school of life, is that. And how can we how can we still offer that to our children, to our friends, to everybody that we know, um, but do it more sustainable? I, I, that's perhaps it's the way we have traveled back in the days to those places. Some places you can't take anything else in a plane, of course, but you can also really learn a lot about different cultures within the European continent, for example. Mm. You don't have to fly per se to Argentina. Uh, to pick an example, there's a lot of things you can learn by working abroad for several years in a different country. So perhaps instead of hopping from one place to the next every two three days, it may be a very good education to actually either study for some time abroad or work for times abroad for a long time, then your impact is much more spread and you're not, you're not flying every week to one place to the other. Uh, And I do think when you live in a place that is not your home, when it's abroad, you actually learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot about life, you learn a lot about other cultures, how people live, and in that way it may be more sustainable to use that word than traveling one week to one country and take your backpack and go to the next one. Mm. I think that could be a a better use.
0: So I would actually, this was just a question I thought about now, because I know that you are, you are, you have a passion for hiking and activities outdoors, and you're kind of working now with the things that you love, right? Yes. Yes. So, so how, because I also know that uh, starting a company and all these things that you have to manage and the funding and everything it's it's quite a it's quite a journey it's it's not easy so how do you find this do you feel now that you have found something that you're so passionate about and at the same time you feel is so important and that gives you kind of the energy to make this work how how do you find your work life in a way and uh, this combination of your passion and your work I
1: love your questions uh, really good um it, it has a it has been a huge shift to be very honest because i i worked for 10 plus years in fixed roles for bigger companies so you know monthly paychecks pretty mm. comfortable in some ways and then and then all of a sudden i i moved from Netherlands to norway i become a father and then i start a new company so i thought oh why not do all three big like big life <laughs> changes in one go <laughs> why not <laughs> so why not you know we have 24 hours a day, so yeah. perfect. Yes. You know, so so that was a big change. So so for me, um, starting the entrepreneurial journey came together with becoming a father. The, the movie country was not very like that, not so exciting. But um, and so that was that was challenging in the beginning as well, of course. Um, and 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 still today to to have that good work life balance, there's so many things when you are starting up with the company in the stage that we are in you need so many hats mm. that you need to put on uh, then it's an hour that you need to talk about the potential investor then you'll go on a site visit to look at a new location you talk to builders you try to find reuse material and then you need to talk about marketing then there's exciting <laughs> podcasts like this one yeah. so there's a lot of different hats that you have to put on and and it's very exciting uh because for me that keeps me going and i think I truly believe that what we are creating with True Experiences has actually has a good impact for the long term and I truly believe that what we do is something good and that gives me a lot of energy. Uh, not always, to be honest, it's, it's like a mountain. There's ups yeah. and downs. Uh, there's some moments where it's very difficult and you need to really dig deep inside of you to get that extra energy to keep going. Um, but it's been a year and a half, and there's been many times that I could say, "I, right, you know what, I throw in the towel, I'm done with it. But I didn't, I just said, okay, let's, let's look at it the next day again, or let's yes. look at it next week. Then we make a decision. Yeah. And then always something happened positive. And then I was like, okay, cool. We are rolling move, we're, we're, we get some good momentum. And then every time you push, the, you push yourself forward, but you also push your goals forward in a way. Like I had the idea of having the first location already open q Q1 this year and that didn't work and then there's two decisions you can make and one that you can say oh didn't work I felt I'm not going to continue or you're like okay actually there's a lot of other things that that happened that I didn't think about Mm -hmm. but are positive to building the company long term so why did I want it to open in q Q1 well I'm a little bit restless so I want things to happen quick but it can also happen in half a year or a year time Mm -hmm. as long as the things that happen have a long-term positive effect for the company and for what we're trying to create, and and we stick to our values. Then it's a good thing because mm. sometimes waiting a little bit or when things takes longer, it's actually a very good thing. So you're not making shortcuts. You're not getting partners on board that maybe not fit your values, etc. So for me, values are very important to myself and to the company. And once you do your, once you have your own company. They kind of intertwine. It's it's it's, it's one. So mm. um, work life balance. I st- I think I still have it, um, but I uh, naively thought I would have it maybe a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it's it's not easy. <laughs> uh it's uh i know how that is but uh great answer and and what what is now your next milestone in tour experiences is it uh is it opening the first cabin
1: yeah i can i'm gonna answer that if i can also answer my last milestone which i'm actually very excited about to share yeah cool so so we since since i talk a lot about oh we want to do a positive impact etc there's a lot of words and I wanted to have a third party do a climate assessment, actually of our company, of our concept already now, to see, okay, can we quantify actually our uh, strategy, our focus, how we build it with the amount of reused material and the clean technology that we use to make the cabin self-sufficient? Like, what is actually our impact on the environment? Is it actually positive or is it negative? And if it's negative for how long and is there like a, a point where we are becoming positive
0: yeah
1: so and i thought i really want to do it now so i can make changes and these things are evolving right so for until i pass away at some point you got to make changes for the better you're never going to be done with it um so i decided i came across a company called climate point norwegian uh, company that does among other things climate assessments and they haven't paid me to t- talk about them on this uh, podcast, by the <laughs> way. So it's just uh, I'm just very excited about what they do. Yeah. And they conducted the climate assessment of two experiences. And you know, long story short, there's different you know components that they look at uh, throughout the life cycle analysis of of our company. Um, and we yeah. looked at okay, with one cabin, how it's built, where it's built, what is the impact. And interestingly enough, the the uh, the summary is, and I'm, I'm happy to share the details with you uh, after as well. Mm-hmm. But the, the interesting thing is is that by 2027, if we open this year, we actually become climate positive. So we, we obviously use some new resources and there's going to be some CO2 emissions with transportation, etc., So when we construct, there is an X amount of CO2 that we emission. But because we use clean technology, we use solar panels, so we have green energy that we produce ourselves with the cabin. Uh, We also give away at least 1% of our revenue to support local conservation and rewilding initiatives, and we also help with our hands with that. And there's other components that we do that kind of balance our own emissions out. Uh, And at some point, we actually overtake the initial emissions. Uh, that we have produced by actually building and constructing the cabin. Mm -hmm. Our operational emissions are very small. Um, So our biggest emission is the actual construction of the cabin. That we have reduced Mm -hmm. a lot compared to traditional construction because of mainly the reused wood that we use. And that's now about 50 to 60 percent of the first cabin, uh, which is a fully wooden cabin. But if we push that up to 80, 90% in the next cabin or or, or the third cabin, then we're, we're moving really, really good along that road. Um, so those are th- that was a big milestone mm-hmm. uh, for me mm-hmm. actually, for a company to, I'm very happy we did that. I'm very excited yes. about the results. There's a lot of things we can improve. Um, one takeaway was uh, things to improve is actually glass. So windows, that's, is a huge emission uh when 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 glass is made from from the sand mm. it's very hard to to use reused glass in a way mm. as well for for me for installation etc so that's a, it is a, is a challenge um, but that i didn't know about before i had no idea that glass had such a huge impact yeah. maybe it's me not knowing but i didn't know that so that was very interesting um so that is something i want to continue doing and um and uh Climate Point is a great, great company that does that. So, if anybody was wanting to do climate assessment, I would definitely recommend. Yes,
0: I will. Uh, reaching I will put that uh, link in the show notes. That's very interesting and so good that you have done that assessment to to get the numbers and get it quantified. That's fantastic. Congratulations on the result as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that makes us aligned with the 2030 Paris uh, Paris yes. goals as well. So that is very important for, for me, for, for our concept that, you know, I can write whatever I want to write on my website, on my, on my pitch mm. deck, et cetera. But now we have actually a third party that actually looked at it and quantified our impact. Mm. Um, there's things that we can improve. Uh, there's things maybe from the assessment that can be improved. But the, the bigger picture showed that, okay, we're actually on a good track, mm. of course, with improvements to come.
0: Great. So, yeah. so next, next one then. That is the <laughs> that cabin.
1: Troy, <laughs> this was this was the last big mouse. The next one, was, the next one is actually, I mean, it's actually to, we are uh, halfway to fundraising. So yes. we have two two investors on board, uh, which is super. I'm very excited about them. One actually is Climate Point as well. After ah. the, they really liked our concept, that they decided to to invest in us. So that's amazing. Um, like a perfect fit from a values perspective but also mm. uh, other other components so we are looking for a little bit more funding to to get started uh so the biggest milestone is actually finalizing the funding uh together then with then the start of the, the construction uh, and the build a, the building will be constructed in Sigdal, so next to the location that we uh, that we have agreed with the landowner and then their goal is to actually by the end of this year uh, I give myself a little bit more time to have the first off-grid cabin on the site and and invite people that live in Oslo or that are visiting Oslo to come and, and stay a couple of nights with us. We do a minimum two-night stay for people to really relax and disconnect and, and, and like mm. let nature sink into them. Mm. Um, and I'm just super excited about the location. It's an, it's an awesome wilderness location just outside Oslo. You can do some really amazing mountain climbing. Hiking, mountain biking—it has a lot of lakes around. A national park, Tihamača National Reserve, is next door. Uh, Anders not and the mountain is next door. So there's a lot of amazing mm-hmm. outdoor adventure activities we can do. So the opening of the first one is the is the next milestone. And if I can add another milestone,
0: yeah, uh,
1: we want to we want to become also a platform for outdoor adventures. Uh, whether you stay with us or not so besides you know, hiking mountain biking etc we want to actually connect our guests with local local guides that know the backtrack routes okay. uh, that can take you on the tour but also if you're not staying with us so i want to become a platform where people that are in the city that are looking for a cool kayak trip that book that with us through our uh, approved partners so we are connecting to experiences with local companies, local guides that are already doing that, those adventures. Uh, and we would like to connect more people to do that. Mm. In addition, also with organic farms uh, and ideally farms that practice regener- regenerative farming, uh, that people can learn about that, maybe help with ha- end of the season harvesting, etc. Mm. So besides just cool adventures, we also look for other type of, I still call them adventures, but supporting on an organic farm, learning about that, etc. All activities that basically improves the well-being and happiness of people and the planets, which yeah. is our mission.
0: Sounds fantastic. So many plans and uh, it will be <laughs> really, really exciting to, to follow the, the journey. So wh- if people want to reach out to you, um, fund you <laughs> or anything, <laughs> yeah. where where do they uh, contact you? Wh- what's the easiest way?
1: The easiest way is uh, actually to go our, to our website, Um mm-hmm. And all my contact details, my, my private phone number and my email address is on there. Um, so they can just either call me or send an email and, and Whether you're interested in just hearing more about it, whether you want to partner up some way, uh, we would like to have a bigger team at some point. Uh, We're not there yet, but it's always good to get to know people um, that believe in what we do and that uh, are like-minded and share our values. So Mm -hmm. just treats out. I'm happy to chat.
0: Yeah, and I can uh, recommend going into the website because that's a really, really beautiful website. Is it you in the the movie, by the way? Or is that... uh, Other people, I Is think I should,
1: yes, right?
0: yeah. I should say yes, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great movie. You, you really want to go exploring when, when you see that. So cool. Uh, well,
1: I, uh, the, the credits go to two good friends of mine, Bas van Hong and Simon Schuurman. Uh, okay. They have helped with the video as well as the website and the branding. So, um, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to them as well. Yes,
0: shout out to them. Very nice. Okay, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Rainer. This has been really interesting. And as I said, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to, to, the, to the rest. And ho- I really hope that I will be able to stay in one of your cabins at some point, because that would be Definitely. fantastic.
1: You'll get the invitation for sure. Yeah. No, thank you so much for <laughs> having me on, on, on the conversation this morning and uh, really really nice to speak with you. Thanks so much for the opportunity.
0: You too. Thank you. What a great company and what a great mission. Not only the concrete idea with the cabins, but also the genuine wish to do this the right way from the very start. It was so interesting to hear about Climate Point and the work that Rainier is doing to really quantify the impact they're having from the start. As I said, I will share the links to Climate Point and everything else mentioned in the episode that you're useful in the show notes. The very best of luck to Rainier and to experiences. I will be cheering from the sideline. But that's it for this episode. Until next time, happy responsible travels.